Hey pig, step right up, it's nailed. A halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. And I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And we're here to do episode number six, Halo 6, right? Yeah, we're here to talk about Fixed tonight. A little a little known record called Fixed. So before we dive in, I want to say that I when I first started thinking about this episode and this oh. Halo, I thought this is going to be really short. I have nothing to say about this. Yeah. I the last time I listened to it at least before, you know, the past year or so was Probably when I was a teenager and I was Same. just con- collecting halos, you know. I also haven't heard it since I was a teenager. And I remember it from my teen years as being a novelty that I listened to maybe once or twice. I listened a couple times. I had the CD. Yeah. And I found it unlistenable <laughs> <laughs> and not something I enjoyed. And I never really listened to it again. Hmm. I think I only had. A couple chances to listen before all my CDs were stolen, and I guess I didn't rebuy it because I didn't find it important enough to buy. I guess it didn't it didn't stick with me enough. No, I think it's at um, that time based upon having to listen to it a zillion times before we recorded. I have developed a fondness for this album that I did not have before. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's better than I thought. It's better than I remember, definitely. I thought we'd get on here and be like, this is shit. I don't really have much to say about it. Mm-hmm. That's what, what I thought it would be like. That's what I thought, too. Like I think I said. it's better. I think it's maybe it, people don't give it enough credit. I have actually seen some people say this is their favorite. And I think it's the first album you buy theory. No, right? this is I think this is because this is a message we got from a listener, right? Or someone on Instagram, I think. I don't know. Somebody now I, I forget who it was and I forget which social media platform. It was either that or Reddit or something. Somebody messaged me and because I think at some point where we like if fixed is your favorite record, we want to hear from you. I don't know. We, I know we did that with uh, yeah. that's what I get. Right. If that's and, your favorite song. And yeah. there were was it maybe two people who did say that's what I get as their favorite song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Um, somebody did come to me and say fixed was their favorite record, their favorite nine inch nails album. Uh, they also said it was the first one they ever got. That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's the first album mm-hmm. theory, right? Like, and I could, no matter how great surfer Rosa is like Doolittle's my favorite mm-hmm. pixies. It was the first one I ever Surfer Rosa is the first one I had. Is so that your I favorite? like it better. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So if you if fixed was the first nine inch nails you heard against all odds, I yeah, I could you get into this thing and you're like, this is weird. This is like nothing I've ever heard. I could see how it could you could form a a fondness for it. I honestly, if I had never heard any nine inch nails before and someone just put this on and I was listening to it, I would probably never <laughs> pick it up again. Yeah, that that's also another possibility. Yeah. It's a little hard to get into, but once that beat hits, I don't know. Well, one of the things I thought we'd do on this Halo, because we're not going to go into like, we don't have to go into like the background of the recording and everything like we did for Broken, but I would like to address maybe some um, players in the Nine Inch Nails universe who contributed to Broken and maybe we didn't discuss very much in that episode, but they are present here 
whether it's uh, probably because they contributed to a remix here. But mm-hmm. so first, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before we, we get into um, this? Fixed came out when it was only a few months after Broken, wasn't it? The yeah. end, end of '92 came out in December, December seventh of nineteen ninety-two. When was Broken again? It was. I thought it was only like two or three months. It wasn't that far apart. Like other... okay, I was right. September, September twenty-second, okay. ninety-two. So three months later. Yeah. About. It's pretty pretty quick turnaround for a remix album or a mm-hmm. remix EP. Yes. Um, okay, so yeah. it was released in the U.S. on uh, CD and in the U.K. on. Uh, 12 inch vinyl you can get it that way um Uh, i found some vinyl original pressings on sale on ebay if you have 200 bucks you can get yourself a copy i do want i contemplated it and then i was like "Mm, better not yeah we shouldn't but i do i mean he offered me a he he sent me an an offer okay Mm -hmm. but it was only 14 dollars off and i'm like that's not enough to entice me (laughs) i want to have every halo on vinyl Eventually. I know. I know. I keep hoping that this will be something that will be issued on vinyl in the United States and will be at a thing we can, like a price range we can afford. You should do the definitive edition fixed. And it should have the uh, Butvig yeah, last as like a separate to, seven inch. It has right? to have that as a little, yeah, yeah. mini, <laughs> mini disc. So uh, once again, sleeve design photography by Gary Talpas. Look, it's just, he just took the broken and he <laughs> inverted the colors. It's blue. It's a color inversion. Mm -hmm. Anyway. That's all. It's a negative. So uh, Fixed is, like I was kind of researching it, and on the Nine Inch Nails discography on their website, it's written, like if you look through all the halos, there's like a little bit of information about each halo, and on there it says that this was not intended to be a remix album, but instead a reinterpretation and deconstruction of the music on Broken. Mm-hmm. On the back of the fixed EP, it even says this recording contains various interpretations of songs that appear in their proper form on the Broken EP. And So fix- this is the improper form. Yeah, yes. Which I would agree with. Yeah, so Fixed uh, kind of continued this tradition of uh, like avant-garde industrial musicians who really pioneered like the remix as an art form, right? Like really were into like deconstructing and making totally different sounds with it. Yeah. So that's just a little bit of information. It's not a remix album. It's a reinterpretation and a deconstruction. He was really trying to do things that had no commercial appeal whatsoever. Like, so he, he pisses people off by going a different direction with broken. Does mm-hmm. the broken movie, an unreleasable, nearly unwatchable <laughs> piece of crime on film. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't tour for broken, by the way. Yeah. Doesn't tour. Then does this ex- experimental album. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's a far way away from the kind of synth pop sounds of, of pretty, pretty machine. machine. Yeah. Definitely. And it's also, I mean, do artists do stuff like this anymore? Where they do artists have that much? I mean, maybe they do. Maybe some artists. But could you imagine Taylor Swift being like, "Okay, I'm releasing a uh, remix of my album. It's a deconstruction Total, of folklore, yeah. and it's just people. It's this coil let, splicing yeah. <laughs> the she vocals. Should let like Aphex Twin deconstruct." <laughs> folklore and it just sounds nothing like it yeah or could you imagine her being like yeah i'm not touring for this album uh, well i mean but, that, well, that is has, true for folklore, but that's because yeah, of the, the pandemic. pandemic but also she does have enough power in the music industry to do something like that but trent right. still was kind of i would say up and coming like 
Yeah, he yeah. was in like a bidding war. Yeah, he was signed to Interscope, which is part of a major label. But it's not like he was plastered on like Rolling Stone magazine at this point yet. You know, like he wasn't getting cover <laughs> no. stories. He wasn't. Um, I guess he would be soon. But yes. So still, it's it's amazing that he was able to negotiate this much power and control and be able to do these these kind of things that might. Uh, that basically commercial artists just don't generally he just said, do. He told Jimmy Iovine, I, I can do what I want. <laughs> the Ron Swanson or else, paper. Yeah, or else you don't get me. Mm-hmm. And Iovine said, okay. So that's how we got the broken movie and that's how we got fixed. <laughs> I don't, I, I wonder if Iovine specifically signed off on the broken movie. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Or if he even knew. Oh, oh well. Who knows? I feel like Reznor funded a lot of things out of his own pocket because I, I heard that he mainly did Woodstock 94 for the paycheck to help fund the tour he wanted to do. Mm. So s- part of me wonders yeah. how much of this he also funded with his own money. I don't know. Mm. Mm. So um, on this album, we have uh, several contributors who did remixes. There's Danny Hyde and Coyle, um, J.G. Thorowell. Uh, then some members of Nine Inch Nails themselves. There's Trent Reznor, Chris Vrenna, Butch Vig, uh, and then we have Bill Kennedy, Sean Beaven, uh, Martin Brumbach, and hmm. Paul Kindle. There We're we go. Have to P- edit out this whole, <laughs> this um, whole space. Credited as PK on the on the liner notes, mm-hmm. right? And it did take me um, about. It took me a little bit longer than I thought trying to figure out who PK is. I'm. Surprised you found it. I never found it. You'll, you'll, you'll still have to tell me who it is. A lot of Googling. Idea. I will. So actually, I wanted to go ahead and go through who these people are. So, okay. Because I don't know all of them. Yeah. So Danny Hyde is an experimental musician. Uh, he contributed to production and mixing on a lot of Coil albums like Love's Secret Domain. Um, he had also contrib- he also makes contributions later on. So on Closer to God and Further Down the Spiral, some more remixes that he hmm. contributed to will appear it was his and Coyle's remix of Closer. That version was the one that was featured in Seven. Oh, the precursor one? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he also had his own solo solo effort, uh, Oral Rage. I don't know if I'm... It's A-U-R-A-L. Oral? Oral or Oral. Oral? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty, pretty much pronounced like Oral, which sounds gross sometimes. Yeah, but it, I'm referring to ears. Yeah. So that's why I was trying to make sure I had right. the pronunciation right. Okay. So uh, Coyle... Uh, we talked a lot about Peter Christofferson uh, in our broken movie. Yeah. If you episode. want to hear about the broken movie, it's a bonus episode. Got to subscribe to our <laughs> Patreon. Yeah. And I'm not going to go through this again since we already did it. Yeah. But Coil's a uh, industrial group from the ro- rose from the ashes of uh, Throbbing Gristle and um, Psychic TV. It's Peter Christofferson and John Balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were brought into this because Trent's a big Coil fan and he uh Reznor met Christopherson and this is how he asked got Coyle involved in the remix he met Christopherson when um he asked him to work on uh music videos in the broken movie um he said about the reason he wanted to work with Christopherson he said Coyle's tainted love video remains one of the greatest videos of all time we also talk about this on the broken movie mm-hmm. episode he said, I was always more attracted to Coil than Throbbing Gristle. The darkness and scatology really chimed with me. So I figured if I hired Christofferson as a director, then I could at least meet him and hang out for a bit. We established a friendship, and that friendship was very valuable to me. And then 
through that friendship, that's how Coil kind of got involved in doing remixes with Nine Inch Nails. Um, then there's J.G. Thorowell. Um, he contributes two remixes to this album. He is known by a lot of different ma- names uh, when recording, also known as Clint Ruin, Frank Want, and Fetus. F-O-E-T-U-S. Am I right. saying that right? S- some strange Australian spelling of fetus. <laughs> looks like Fotus. Yes. And under these names, he contributed to working with um, groups like Nurse With Wound, the the Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and he also mm. worked with Mark Almond. There's a lot of connections to Mark Almond of Soft Cell okay. when you when you scratch the surface of Nine Inch Nails. Um, he has also done remixes for Faith No More, Pantera, John Spencer Blues Explosion, Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Cult, Pop Will Eat Itself, and he also did a remix of Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People called The Not So Beautiful People. <laughs> He did production work production work for Coil, Sonic Youth. Um, he was a co-producer of Death Valley 69. Uh, worked a lot with Lydia Lunch and Swans. And currently he is more active as a composer. You might have heard his work if you're a fan of Adult Swim. He did the Venture Brothers theme. Um, right. You might be a fan of FX's Archer. He did the mm. theme for that. Both are very kind of 007-y spy themes. They definitely don't sound like fist fuck. (laughs) No. Um, and he also did recently, there was a new animated series with John Hodgman called Dicktown. Oh, I never saw that, but I heard about it. And he's also contributed to a zillion music projects. I'm not going to list them all here. Right. If you go to the Wikipedia, you'll find quite a list. You'll so, find all his different names. Yes. So then there's Paul Kendall. He is a composer, visual artist, and sound engineer known for his work uh, with Mute Records artists. Mute Records, home of Depeche Mode. Uh, Also like Yazoo in Spiral Carpets. Um, And Mute, I think, has basically released all of the Depeche Mode albums from Speak and Spell on, like to present day. Um, He is also a member of Recoil, uh, which is... It started out as a side project for Alan Wilder of Depeche Mode, and then he left the group and focused on Recoil. It's not related to Coil? No, as far as I (laughs) know. That confused me a little bit. Yeah, it it is. So, Mute Records, though, to talk about... We talked about Halos in our very first... I think it was Halo Zero when we were introducing. Yeah. And the idea behind, like, having a named catalog system specific to your artist. And this Mm -hmm. is something that Mute Records really did. We talked about, uh, maybe we didn't talk about this, but Depeche Mode, their releases are bong, mm-hmm. right? Not Halo. Right. Um, there are two other artists who have this. There's Yazoo. They are Yaz. Hmm. Do you know who Yazoo is or Yaz? Did they do that? All I needed was a love you. No, that's a different. Who's that? I don't know what you're singing. Fuck. It's that pop. It's that sappy pop song. Give me the, Who's Yazoo? Give me the ox. I want to play no. you something. No, it's amazing. You know them. This is immediately recognizable. 
This is what I was just saying. You were singing this? Yes. I do not hear that from what you're singing. That's what I said. And I, I sang some lyrics too. What's the name of the song? Only You. We're about to get to the part. Oh, so good. Here we go. All I needed was the love you gave. I'll roll the tape back. I sang that. All I needed was the love you Yeah, anyway, Allison's so got one of the a, great, great voices of... Uh, they had a cataloging system. Yes. Okay. Um, and so did another group on there on Mute Records called In Spiral Carpets. They were known as Dung, D-U-N-G, poop. Not, <laughs> not, did someone have poop? P-O-O-P? No, How come everyone They uses... were the only three, I think, on Mute Records because they were the big sellers. And so they let mm. them. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a four-letter thing. And then Halo. Mm-hmm. So probably the inspiration for that was Meet Records. So that is Paul Kendall, a.k.a. PK. Um, then we've talked about Butch Vig before. Everyone knows Butch Vig. He's the Butch 90s Vig, super producer. producer of the album Nevermind, member mm-hmm. of the still a member of the band Garbage. Mm-hmm. Still a great band. And and countless other um, mm-hmm. oh well I can I can be- run through a few. Records. There's Gish, there's Siamese Dream, there's L7's Bricks Are Heavy, which is one of my favorites. There's Helmets Betty. Um, he's also worked with uh, Laura Jane Grace and Against Me, of course. And then I think the most recent album he produced was a Silver Sun Pickups Widow's Weeds. Oh yeah, so, that was a good one. I think that was 2019. So he's still out there producing. Sounds great. Um, he was also ranked in Enemies. Top 50 Greatest Producers of All Time list. Now, I want to play a game with Blake. Oh, boy. I want to see if Blake can guess the top 10 producers oh according to NME. Okay. Okay. NME. What are they like? Get, their New Musical Express, right? Isn't that what it stands for? Do, what does their, what's their bias slant toward, though? They hate Trent, I think. <laughs> their slant is usually towards the obscure and the white. So two people on this is list. George Martin or three on there. Sir, is Sir George Martin on their top ten? Yes. What number do you think he is? One. Two. <laughs> okay. Number one. Is it is it a white person? Yes. Is it Brian Wilson? Nope. Brian Wilson is on the list, though. Uh, I'm sure he is. He's number eight. Number one. Number one. Give me a hint on number one. I've never heard of this person never. before in my life. Oh, my God. Who Who is this person worked with? A man? I've never heard of the bands that they worked with. Maybe Good they worked grief. with Shirley Bassey. I mean, that's probably the biggest okay, artist. So it's like some old. It's an older producer. And it's not Phil Spector? Not Phil Spector on the list? Yes, he's number five. Yeah, figures. Okay, okay. who's number one? I'm not going to tell you until you guess some more. Um, are they all white? No. It's Quincy Jones? Quincy Jones is number three. Is Vig on there? Vig is number nine. Um, I've got a bunch of these already. You have. You're doing really good. Um, producers, producers. Uh, think hip hop. Think oh. gangsta rap. Nineties. Um, Puff Daddy. Nope. Early nineties. Late eighties. That is early. Late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, Affiliated with Interscope. Oh, Dr. Dre. Yeah, number 10. Yeah, of course. Of course he should be on there. Uh, okay, we got um, a, another producer who worked with like uh, Bowie. Oh, uh, is it Eno? Mm-hmm. Brian Eno, number seven. 
Number six and number four and number one are the ones you haven't gotten yet. Oh, man, I'm doing great. Uh, so six. Uh, hints, though. We kind of talked about this producer, how they're really renowned and very, very good. But sometimes they just kind of phone it in. Maybe you guys are talking Rick about Rick Rubin. It. Yep. OK, that was number six. Wow. Um, number four. This producer is more known for like funk disco-y kind of stuff uh, associated with like uh, chic. Do I know this name? You, you'll probably recognize it. You might not be super familiar with. <sighs> yes, Disco? co-founder of Chic. I don't know this. Um, he's worked with uh, Sugar Hill Gang, Sister Sledge, Madonna, Duran Duran, NXS, Grace Jones, B-52s, Daft Punk, Pharrell. Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Pharrell. I may not know this name. Niall Rogers. Does that name sound familiar? No, not really. Okay. Um, and then number one is Joe Meek. Joe Meek? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I know. thought I was being punked when I saw this name because I was like, who the hell is that? Yeah, it's I, I mean, ridiculous. No, no Steve Al. How is Trent? Yeah, Steve Al. Well. I think he's a particular taste, but he also produced some very landmark albums. He's not a person who wants to be called a producer, first of all. Mm. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um yeah, Trent should be on there. <laughs> after all he's done now, yeah. after his entire career, yeah, he should be on there. Probably, yeah. Especially because I feel like so much has, uh, of contemporary music has lifted directly from his style. Yeah. So Robert George Joe Meek was an English record producer, musician, sound engineer, and songwriter who pioneered space age and experimental pop music. He also assisted the development of recording practices like overdubbing, sampling, and reverberation. He is considered one of the most influential sound engineers of all time, being one of the first to develop ideas such as the recording studio as an instrument and becoming one of the first producers to be recognized for his individual identity as an artist. He died in 67, I believe, from uh, suicide. Damn. Suffered from depression, had a lot of debt, wasn't recognized for his work uh, during the time. So. Well, Okay. Anyway, I'd never heard of him. If anyone wants to look him up, he's most famous for a song. Um, I listened to it right before we recorded, but it's an instrumental by a group, The Tornadoes, called Telstar. It was the first record by a British rock group to reach number one in the U.S. Hot 100 in 1962. So uh, if you you look it up, you'll probably actually recognize it. I recognized it eventually. (laughs) So next we have Bill Kennedy. He's also no longer with us. Um, he died in 2012. He was only 49. I could not mm. find the cause of death. Um, but yeah, he was also a sound engineer and he mixed um, some work on Broken. He was actually listed in the Broken credits as the Kilbinity, <laughs> which he said was a little irksome because none of his friends believed that he actually worked on the album. Even okay. though it's just like an inverse That's of dumb. letters. Like, right. come on. Like... <laughs> Like if there was a there was a a, a I, this is this is bullshit because is are his friends going to be like no it's some guy named Kill Benedy. <laughs> so he's an engineer that worked with um you two David Bowie Roy Orbison Kiss Bruce Springsteen Marilyn Manson. He talked about working on Broken with uh, he's Canadian. He talked about working with Broken in the an article I found. In the Edmonton Journal, he said the first track that he worked on was Happiness and Slavery, and they spent at least four hours dialing in distortion. Wow. What's that mean, dialing in? Is that like a recording term? I don't know. Dialing in means just 
adjusting the settings until you get it just as you like it. So turning knobs, essentially. Okay. And just testing the sound over and over. I don't like that. Give me a little more, a little more, a little more, or a little less, whatever. Okay. Until you get exactly how you want it, then you you leave the knobs be. Yes. He also said... Now I know how you got your name. I feel like someone's been pounding Nine Inch Nails into my head all day long. He says he told Trent Reznor that uh, when working on. I bet he thought that was the most clever. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, and Trent's like, yeah, I've never heard that before. (laughs) Trent's like, yeah, funny, (laughs) funny stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Got it. Got a comedian here. No, no disrespect (laughs) to uh, Bill Kennedy. Bill Kennedy, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, he also is listed as a producer and mixer for the Freddie V. Jason soundtrack. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he compiled a lot of that. Well, I figured out what it is. I mm-hmm. clicked through every track <laughs> that was on the, uh, sorry, that was listed on the soundtrack. And he produced for a band called Nothing Face that was on the soundtrack. And that's how oh. he is listed. Okay. I think. So now we have um, Sean Beaven. He is a Cleveland, Ohio native. He worked at Right Track Studios with mm. Trent um, and was responsible for mixing demos that became Pretty Hate Machine. He is was he a mixer on Purest Feeling? I'm going to speculate that he could have been. Could have. Because Possibly. what were the demos that became Pretty Hate Machine? You know, mm. worked at Right Track. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's Yeah. So do you know who the raspberries are? Or Eric Carmen, if I say that name. I've heard I've heard the names. Okay. Well, in the eighties, Eric Carmen was solo. He's also a native Clevelander. He went solo and he recorded a song for the Dirty Dancing soundtrack called Hungry Eyes. And Sean Beaven recorded <laughs> the fretless bass for this song. So Amazing. Yeah, that sounds like Beaven. <laughs> anyway, a little nostalgia here. My mom had this on cassette, and I remember listening to it, and I was a baby. I was a baby. I wonder why fretless for this particular song. I don't know. You have to ask a bassist, because I would not be able he, to know he's that. He's not sliding all over the place, so unless that comes later. But anyway, we don't have to listen to it. Okay. Banger track, though. It's a good song. Listen to it. Yeah, Jess loves this kind of <laughs> shit. She's tried to make me watch the movie. Before. You should watch it. It's just mm-hmm. a cultural touchstone. Okay. God. I saw parts of it while you had it on. Well, you should watch the whole thing with your wife one day, who you love. With these hungry eyes. Uh, okay. Anyway, okay. please cut that out when I was singing, because I'm sure no, it sounded awful. I'm going to keep it. I can't sing like Eric Carmen. Um, Sean Beaven also mixed several songs for Marilyn Manson on Portrait of an American Family. He is listed as a co-producer for Antichrist Superstar, and he eventually abandoned Nine Inch Nails to go work more with Manson. Uh, he's a co-producer of Mechanical Animals. This is around the Reznor-Manson split. Right. What a traitor, Mr. <laughs> hungry Eyes himself. He, he had Hungry Eyes, and he backed the wrong pony. So, <laughs> well, Yeah. Uh, and he is currently in a band with his wife, Juliet, called 8mm. I listened to a little bit. It is, it is good. Okay. Uh, well, we had some interviews. I don't know if you have them pulled up to play where he's talking about working with Manson and Reznor. So here is Sean Beaven himself 
And I hope I'm saying his name right. I hope it's not B. Van. Like, nah, that's a weird name to Sean. say. It's Sean Beaven. Okay, good. How I came across working with Nine Inch Nails was pretty much that same thing. So I'm playing in bands in Cleveland and I'm mixing bands in Cleveland and working in studios with bands in Cleveland. And Trent became one of the people that I hang out with. He was playing in, like, the big rival band, and we became friends even though we were rivals because in Cleveland it was that way. We weren't mean to each other. We kind of supported each other. So, like, our rival bands, we'd go see them, you know. And uh, I asked him one day to play keyboards on my demos because he was the coolest keyboard player in town. And uh, when I, he came in to play keyboards, he was like, wow, this stuff sounds really good. Would you mind mixing my demos? Which ended up being pretty hate machine. So it just worked out, you know. It's like if you if you make the effort and you and you go out and you you know try to help other people, things come back to you in a good way. So that's how I ended up working with Trent. He was working on his album, and then we ended up touring the world with that. And that's how I met Marilyn Manson because we were playing in Florida, and he was a journalist at the time, and he did an interview with us, and uh, we. Th- thought he was fun to hang out with and when he gave it at the end of the thing he gave us a cassette of his band and we heard it and we were like wow this is really cool we should sign this guy and that's what we did that was at a panel for pv uh by the way at nom pv the um cheap amplifier and and audio gear manufacturer at the uh the nom audio show cool so i'm not sure why he was on that panel but all right all right so that was Sean Beaven talking about how he came to meet Trent Reznor and start working with Marilyn Manson. Um, then finally, we have Martin Brumbach or Marty Brumbach. Okay, I could not find anything about this person for the longest time. Finally, I actually found their LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, and on LinkedIn, they're listed as a mu- like their skills are music recording, mixing, editing, production, and consultation. Uh, they're a music editor for SNL. They've worked there since 1996. Whoa. They, uh, Martin's done engineer production work with Leonard Cohen. Uh, he was Grammy nominated for his work with Lori Anderson's, uh, her album Life on a String. He also worked with Rufus Wainwright on the album Want Two and has worked with Grantley Buffalo Cracker. As I want well. to know what Martin did specifically on Screaming Slave. I don't know. Honestly, I hope this is the correct person. I'm guessing same name. Yeah. Would have been about the same age. They're both and I in the- finally found a link that did connect him to fixed. So okay. I'm guessing just an engineer who happened to be there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really sure. don't Maybe he know. Was, he was a house engineer, you know? Maybe. So that is good. Good for Martin. Those are our, uh, That's those are every, our big contributors. Everyone who's, who's listed as contributing. I think I got everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, except for. Bob Flanagan, who does have a credit <laughs> he does. on Screaming Slave, but we'll get we'll get into that yeah. as we go. Okay. So that's all I have for the contributors. We'll probably talk more about Sean Beaven as we uh, continue our journey. Okay. Um, and probably also more about Coyle and Danny Hyde and, and other contributors. So that's just kind of a quick background information. Yeah. Are we ready to get into the album? I or? think we're ready to, yeah. Oh, God. Do you have any opening thoughts to it? or? <sighs> I think that the first track is the hardest one to get through. At really? first. Mm-hmm. At first it is. I think it starts out, you're like, oh no, what's this going to be? It's kind of slow and quiet. And then the beat kicks in and you're like, oh, okay, this is what this is going to be. But we'll we'll talk about it in real time, I guess. So the first track is Gave Up, remixed by Coyle and Danny Hyde. Right. 
<laughs> That's a cat. It's not part of the remix. <laughs> what if it was? <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> So these are some of the background sounds of Gave Up, mm-hmm. kind of brought to the forefront, taken out of the beat. And then, of course, the Give It To Me, I Throw It Away, kind of disembodied there. And throwing things away is something that comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to that. And for me, for me, it's kind of hard in this part to pick out where the beat is exactly, and maybe that's on purpose. It's all just kind of floating out in space until the drums come in. Yeah, total deconstruction of... Here we go. Jess is, Jess is jamming along. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing she's, at me? She, she's getting down to it. Yep. So this is chopping up all the syllables <laughs> that he does in the Definitely. chorus of Gave Up and just rearranging the syllables in like a random way almost. Like a cut and paste. Yeah, it's like really Like the style wild. writing of William S. Burroughs. <laughs> oh boy, what if that was on purpose? It's That's co- a lot of uh, industrial co- stuff yeah. that's influenced by that. And coil... Christopherson at least knew him, right? Oh, probably, yeah. Well, he well he worked with the commercial. And, yeah. yeah. But the beat, the beat's cool. I mean, that's a beat. That's a beat you can dance to. A lot of people, into. yeah, they say this is very uh, like a precursor to to jungle dance music or drum and bass. Drum and bass, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, this was before. Did Coil invent drum and bass? No. No, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it goes back further than this, but yeah, it's it's there's a lot more than drum and bass happening, but I, I think there's a yeah, there's an interesting little synth bass going on. Of course, that beat it's very repetitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, most most drum and bass stuff I've heard like Square Pusher and some Aphex Twin, the beat is a lot more interesting and not as repetitive as this, but it still kind of goes. Now, now you finally hear the vocal, like sounding normal, mm-hmm. not all chopped up. And this is—I made note of the links. This is a almost five and a half minute remix, and that's one of the short ones. Uh, wait till we get to JG. Yeah, he, he gets really indulgent. But I said that this is a remix that you can just kind of vibe out on. When it gets going, you can. At the beginning, it's yeah. kind of like, what is Well, that? I mean, it could be an ambient, unsettling ambient background noise. You want to set a weird mood, put on Fixed. <laughs> Definitely. You can just kind of vibe out to a lot of this, to all of Fixed, I think. But 
the vibe is gonna be weird. It would definitely be a weird vibe. Like if you're yeah. doing some, uh, if you're rolling, hanging out with your friends, doing some ecstasy, yeah. and you put this on, woof. And like these, okay, these creepy sounds. What even is that? But like, already, how, like how do these compare to all the, the Pretty Hate Machine remixes we went through? Well, number one, this is totally different. Yeah. It is definitely a deconstruction yes. of a song. Those remixes for Pretty Hate Machine were, of course, the same the same producers that worked on Pretty Hate Machine. Mm-hmm. And just kind of rearranging the existing elements. This is inviting totally different people in to take pieces broken and break them <laughs> break, break them even further uh-huh. it's always weird to me it's like ironic that it's called fixed because mm-hmm. it should have been called like broken even further <laughs> even more broken yeah, yeah brokener brokener brokenness because it's like yeah it's, they, they broke it more yeah and, and they took out like it's not metal anymore this album is no longer right i mean the guitars are there but Mm -hmm. but yeah it's way more experimental electronica Mm -hmm. and ambient than it is uh any kind of metal which is (laughs) probably why i mean that's probably why as a teenager i was like i'm not into this i don't feel this i don't like this i was into electronic you got into nine inch nails a little bit after i did though yeah, but so I mean, I yeah, but electronic, electronic was not I, something I was listening to in like nineteen ninety seven, right. six, five, whatever. I was a baby, so you're two years younger than me. <laughs> I get, I get the feeling when when we uh, we were just listening to it, and I was like, if I was a person that did drugs, I feel like I put this on, and it would it would either make your trip worse. <laughs> I know nothing about drugs. I think it would depend upon the drug you're doing. Yeah. Or, you know, you could just really have a drugged up vibe to it. This album is the drugs. <laughs> so the second one is the Wish remix. Mm-hmm. This is the first of the JG Thirlwell. It is also an almost 10 minute long. Nine minutes, eight song. seconds by my count. Let's just go ahead. So he really, really loves these drums Mm -hmm. which these are the drums from the bridge of wish that are you could call it i don't want to say like world music drums or exotic drums i think you called them like hand drums or i don't i don't know that they're hand drums um this is from an ixy video she theorized that maybe they're um Taiko drums, which are a Japanese traditional drum. Oh, okay. It, it, it's some, it could be something like that, where you, a big drum that you beat with mallets, right? And you okay. do it like yeah. in a group, in a big drum circle of mm-hmm. Taikos. It sounds like that. I want to know where the, the freaking, if it was created for Broken or if it was sampled. I don't think anyone's ever figured out where that came from. But maybe it was made in the studio. And he likes to use the flange effect. What's the flange effect? That weirdness you hear all over this whole beginning section where it sounds like swirling. Mm-hmm. It stops there, but that whole beginning, it just drowned in flange. And 
even more, even more of, that, <laughs> of these drums now. Mm-hmm. He really likes percussion. Yeah. And it's long. Um, it's very long, but he leaves the vocals intact. He does. Eventually, when it eventually finally gets to the main song. In about five minutes, when it gets yeah. to the song. There is... I put... What did I say? There's a, there's a good, powerful kick-ass sounding mix of the normal song but it's embedded within this long ass experimental thing and also I wrote that this is probably out of everything on here the most traditional remix if that makes sense do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not super deconstructed. Yeah, I you, mean, you can, yeah. He's using all the elements of the song. He's just kind of extending it. Yeah, it is. It's like an, it's it, almost like the extended dance mix. Like. Yes. That's what it made me think of. Like, his mixes, I feel like, are the most traditional remixes when you think of a remix. I Does that make sense? Fistfuck isn't traditional to me. That one's a lot weirder. But yeah, this one but... is, this one's a little more... Just yeah, super extended. He messes with the mix, and when it you know when it gets good, it gets good. But it's made. You just gotta be prepared to vibe for a yeah, while. Yeah, you gotta vibe. There's stuff on this album I like a lot more than than the Thoroughwell Wish mixes. Two different interpretations. I want to know what this is. It sounds like movie score music. Listen. It does. I want to know what that is. Does anyone, if you know what that is, let us know. Yeah, because we know there's something from a, a musical in well, Fistfuck. Maybe it's from the same thing. I think the musical is Showboat yeah. in Fistfuck, which I've never yeah. seen, no. so don't judge Maybe me. Maybe that's also from Showboat. It could be. So this is where the song begins. But it kind of just sounds like he is—he is trying everything. So he's like, "Let's, all right, let's do this. Well, okay, that was cool. Now let's do this. Let's do this." He wants to try all the effects in the world. So every effect available to him in the studio, he went ahead and used. He's like, "Let's do a verse with really heavy flange." Okay, we did that. Now let's do a verse with a really heavy uh, panning effect. And it kind of repeats and repeats, and that's why it's nine minutes long, because he wants to kind of put everything into it. It's excessive, but it does have its moments for sure. It's the everything remix. (laughs) Yeah. Classic, classic one. If I did a remix of Wish, it would just be like, fist yeah, fuck, it would fist just, fuck, It would fist just be fuck. like, That'd be ooh, it over actually, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I Let me it, remix it. It'd be like the broken movie. <laughs> Basically. I, uh, I wish the stems that I had weren't the censored one, the no, no bad words version, because mm-hmm. then I could do a fist fuck. Remix? Yeah. So there's those Tyco drums backwards. He, he does this a lot. So, he, again, he's trying out effects. Let's try it backwards. Okay, right here. This is something he continues to do in both of his wish. Takes the 4-4 guitar part, cuts off the 
last beat and makes it a 3-4. A 3-4 measure and re- repeats it over and over and over and over and over. It sounds like a record skipping. Oof, yeah. Or stuck on a My loop. friend Stacy would just be running over to my CD player <laughs> right. if she heard this. You're like, what's wrong with it? It's stuck. <laughs> it, this is excessive. Uh-huh. I like that he makes it a 3-4 thing. That's interesting. It does get excessive. Here we go. I feel like that little vocal is kind of, uh, maybe it was a bit lost in the original Wish, way, way down in the mix, because we didn't, I don't remember talking about it much when we did Broken. Listen, as a fan of Trent Whispers, I catch all the whispers. Uh, I know you do. <laughs> okay, this part's interesting to me. He's kind of filtered it, taken, taken all the punch and the bass out of it. But he's about to let it bust it open wide. Right here. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that little stutter there. So yeah, you cut about five or six minutes off of this and you could you could make a really punchy rock song. Yeah. <laughs> I guess then it would sound too much like Wish. I guess. I mean, yeah, Wish already was a great rock song, but this is just like a different interpretation of it. Got the drums. And more, more of these fucking drums. More, more three, four guitar, but it's a different part that he cut up. And it goes, and it goes, and it goes. Oh, God, we have a minute and a half left of this. Okay. There we go. More stuttery. By this by the end but it's about to go into some way more interesting is the next song one of your favorites yes uh, without a doubt and this this kind of just emphasizes the rock of it all a bit more I know we were saying that this EP is more electronic than rock, but this is this part is the exception. Okay, so the next one is maybe one of my favorites, Happiness and Slavery Remix, remixed by... Trent Reznor, Chris Vrenna, I call them the dream team, and PK is in there, uh, which is, what was that, what did that stand for again? Paul Kimball or something? 
Yes. Paul, Paul Kendall. Kendall. Ken, Paul Kendall. Not sorry. Kimble. Sorry. Kendall. A six minutes, a six minute long. Well, we'll get to it, but. Has a special guest vocalist. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. We'll get to that. Did I was comparing it to a different song today. So what were you telling me or trying to tell me earlier well, about this? It's What did you discover I, about this song? Well, I don't know. I didn't discover it. It, it has elements that are going to be used or repurposed later in Heresy on yeah. the Downward Spiral. When I first heard this, I was just like, these drums kind of sound like the same drum samples used in Heresy. And the beat is the same, too. And there's even a little synth bassy thing that's similar to what's in Heresy. Um, and when I played them back to back today, I realized they're even in the same key. They've got the same. They're both in F. Um, Heresy is a few beats per minute slower, I think. So they're not. You can't. They're not exactly the same, but very similar. Did you like find in an interview or something where he said that this inspired Heresy or? No, it's just if you, I mean, you just read and you can find people who've already done the work for you and well, and list oh. it like on NIN Wiki or whatever. Oh, so what, okay. Was that on NIN Wiki that it was like this led to heresy? Well, it just said that it has, um, share, it has a lot of loops and synthesized, uh, a bass that is similar to heresy. Yeah. The thing that stood out to me the most was the, um, was the kick drum, the electronic yes. kick drum sample. So. This is heresy. And that kind of little synthy thing there, you'll you'll hear that kick. And then a hi hat comes in. And then happiness and slavery remix. Pretty much exactly the same kick and a similar snare also four on the floor tempo is pretty close synth bass is not the same thing but it's similar and same note same little clicky hi-hat i do love the mood that this whole thing sets so did a couple other people we'll talk about it some filmmakers okay this one I just think goes hard it comes at it doesn't mess around it comes right out of the gate no with it with a kick-ass beat I wrote the synth smack <laughs> yeah the whole thing smacks and yeah I like it's definitely like a reimagining of happiness and slavery it doesn't really sound like happiness and slavery until way later and yeah. way later on but at first it's like oh this is its own thing I love that little synth line there mm-hmm I think this is when I wrote the synth smash. Yeah. yeah. It has a really cool spooky ass vibe. Like, it's just like it's spooky and Halloween y and shit. Like, and it's, you can definitely tell that this is a Resner one. Who's that? That's Bob. Bob the super masochist of happiness and slavery's video. Mm-hmm. Bob Flanagan. That was recorded on the set, I'm guessing. I, I believe it was. So his screams of pain. I don't know if they're real or not. But he was being 
It was kind of a mock torture. Mm-hmm. I I think they're real. Uh, <laughs> parts of the of the video, if you guys, if anyone's seen it, parts of it are real um, until okay. it becomes him being disemboweled. Yeah. That's not real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are parts that are real. And um, yeah. Yeah. But I've listened to this a bunch in the past week, actually. So you can just kind of put it on. It's great. Great background. Background jam. Got a great beat. Great mood setter. This should be playing in the uh, Spirit Halloween when you walk in. <laughs> Either that or the actual Spirit Halloween song. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've already got a theme song for that place. Yeah. Um, Maybe for nice, Blake, we'll put it in as a bonus at the end of the episode. It's a little stinger. No, just go to... I don't want to steal this song. Go to... Um, Nick Lesko. N- Nick, Nick Lesko. So some of the... Now we're starting to hear some... Okay, I think that's the first time we hear a lyric. Right? Slavery! This is a mostly instrumental remix. And I wrote here that it's repetitive also, but it's not as self-indulgent, and I it works no. for me. Yeah, it works for me too. And it's only six minutes compared, compared to nine. It's not mm-hmm. so bad, you know? That little synth bass sounds very heresy-esque. Right there. There's a little guitar from Happiness yeah. and Slavery. We recognize that. That little synth. We recognize that. And those drums, they... Also from the original song. Messed with a little bit, maybe. It's hard to tell. Maybe he spent another four hours dialing in distortion. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it is cool distortion. <laughs> Love that little break just to hear some screams of agony that are that are rhythmic. They're like edited to be on the beat. Sounds semi-rhythmic. So in this track, it lists uh, PK as creating the foundation loops. Yeah, I saw that. I wondered mm-hmm. what that meant. Foundation loops, like... Like the beat, uh, the, the little synth bass stuff, That's what I'm wondering. the drums. We'll have to check the liner notes for um, Heresy and, and hmm. the Downward Spiral. I want to know if he's credited for anything. We'll get there, I guess. I, uh, I kind of... Today I was playing it back-to-back. I was like, I don't know if anyone's done it yet, but somebody should do it like a mashup of this and heresy kind of combined with different parts i might mess with that why don't you fuck around and find maybe out maybe i'll like. fuck around and <laughs> find out maybe i'll put it up somewhere i like that 
ambient. Uh, All right. Oh, is that it? Stop it. See, it didn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. So this one. The next one's an interesting one. So we're talking about happiness and slavery, the remix still. It oh, was. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, okay. Uh, so um, in 2003, some little, little lesser known filmmakers, uh, Lee Wannell and James Wan, made a little pitch film. James Wan of Aquaman and Fast and Furious? Did he do a couple of Fast and Furious? Probably. I'm not going to look it well, up. Well, he also did a little movie called Saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this was passed around and used as a pitch. Is it going to make any sense without the visuals? Probably not. It's a dude smoking a cig. <laughs> I'm honestly not familiar enough with Saw to be able to tell you anything, but... I was going home. Lights a cigarette. When he closes that Zippo, the beat kicks in. Mm. But you can find this on YouTube. It's just the... David, put that out. Oh, yeah, and they're coming with me. So J- James Wan was a fan. Mm-hmm. And it does sound like a horror film score. I mean, you were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I was saying it gives that spooky vibe. I mm-hmm. had no idea it was actually used in in the Saw short film. We now, know, later, yeah. former Nine Inch Nails member Charlie Clauser would go on to score all of the Saw movies, including the most recent one. Um, I think it was called Spiral, something like that. Oh, he's done like all like 18 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I Okay, confession. I've only seen... The first saw, and I watched it once. I have not so, seen and it was any of them. Two thousand five or six. It's just I was never really interested. Sorry, I've seen the broken film. That's all I need to see. <laughs> I just I I probably we have to watch it though because it's on our checklist. So you have to do it. Ah, oh, damn it! Yeah, ha ha ha, Blake. You're gonna have to watch the saw. Um, but yeah. So honestly, I could not even tell you if that character is in the movie at all. I don't remember. <laughs> Um, or if the mo- if the <laughs> real movie uses Nine Inch Nails remixes. Don't know. But they got the next best thing. They got Charlie Clauser. They did, yes. So. Okay. And there you go. Next one. Throw This Away is the title. What is this a remix of, Blake? This is an interesting one. Okay, th- this does something really cool that none of the more boring remixes of the past have done. It combines a, a, several things. Mm-hmm. Um, elements of... S- suck the suck bridge mm-hmm. the bass from that and the i am so dirty on the inside vocals it also combines some of the um the end vocals of last unfortunately this is the only track on here that uses parts of last mm-hmm. and it doesn't use very much of it once again last getting the shaft um and there are are some ambient noises um overlaid uh, especially toward the beginning on this, that come from the verse on Wish. Mm-hmm. They're, um, well, you'll hear what they are. They're weird and they're hard to place. Um, th- that's that's where it all comes from, right? Did I, I didn't leave anything out. I think I? you got them. I think you got them. This, this is maybe the shortest one on here at four minutes, 13 seconds. <laughs> it's a nice little uh, easy pop song. I wanted to mention that three three of the four tracks that I can think of Three of the four songs on Broken have lyrics about throwing things away. So Wish, Last, and Gave Up, mm-hmm. all, all reference throwing stuff away. So I think it's cool to do a <laughs> combination remix song called Throw This Away. Anyway, 
I thought it was interesting. No, it is. So here it is. So that weird little squealing is a um, like a chopped and screwed <laughs> version of the some of the noises in the background of the wish verse. And then when that bass guitar drops. So from the bridge part of Suck, and it might seem weird to use parts of Suck in a remix, as it was sort of a cover slash collaboration, mm-hmm. but I, here was my thinking on it, this part belongs to Trent Reznor <laughs> because this part is not in the pig face version this whole bridge this this bass part the I'm so dirty on the inside lyrics that was created by Reznor for the, the broken version for the bonus track I think it's really it was a a genius move to stick those last whispers on top of the whispered suck vocals and they fit really well I think just kind of combined It do, he didn't use the um, screaming into a pillow part though oh I'm sorry yeah Yeah, this is one of the more interesting ones to me on here. Especially, especially because of the end. We'll get to that. We will get to that. But I did say that last, the song last deserves like a, a, a entire remix. And not just kind of like a half-hearted. I mean, it has one. It's just not officially oh, released. Okay, true. It has a, yeah, a pretty cool remix. I think it's cool too. But I can see what... We'll talk about it. These drums that are kind of fading in, I mm-hmm. I believe they are the drums from the Suck Chorus. That's where I think they come from. How does it feel? So it builds until like, builds and builds. All you can hear is the drums eventually. And then it switches to something completely different. When I heard that, I think the first time I've ever heard it, I was like, what is this? Did you remember having a reaction? I had very visceral reactions to most of this album the first time I heard it. it Where a- most of the album, I was like, what the fuck am I listening yeah. to? <laughs> but when it gets to this part. Yes. The first time I ever heard this as a teenager, I was like, damn, <laughs> this has got a groove kind of, and it's like, doesn't sound like anything I've heard uh, so far. And there's a very good reason that it doesn't sound like it quite fits, even though I think it does kick ass. But uh, yeah, I don't think we said this one is Reznor, uh, Vrenna. And Butch Vig also has his credit on this one. 
He has a little something that's tucked on the end here, and we'll he, talk about yeah. it. He did. He did just that end part. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds different from everything else because yeah, that's Butch Vig. So uh, the end. Well, what did did you what did you have on it? Oh well, that little ending there. That mm. that's the Butch Vig. Yeah. remix of last they basically took the end of it and worked it into what they were working on and it's it's you can find it now like you can yeah. you can go out and you can find this version of last that vig remixed at some it, point it was only in recent years i think that it became available in a high quality version online. yes for a long time it was just like a really shitty passed around version that people could listen to an um, early that internet. was leaked yeah yeah yeah, and um, it, it didn't have good quality. Um, no. Later, Reznor did release a high-quality, like, CD-quality version on remix.nin.com. Mm-hmm. So this is just very opposite of the original, and you'll find out why in a minute. It has more of, like, a... Blake and I were talking. It's like it's more like a radio rock feel. It it's sounds like, sounds like a garbage song. Yeah. And I... There was some discourse about why this was not included on Fixed. Um, Vig said it was not included because Trent just didn't like it. Um, yeah. And and Trent said, well, Vig did what he does with the song. He made it rock. Mm-hmm. Um, this is honestly the most... It's not included. We're going to talk about it, though, and play it. But this is the most listenable. It's yeah. the catchiest that's probably why it didn't end up on it that's what i think even though if we're talking about something that's a reimagining and a deconstruction this is not a deconstruction but it is a reimagining because we do have newly recorded guitar parts yeah it's all new guitars it's like everything is new almost everything is new except for the vocals and it's kind of like reimagined last like if last were topping the uh alt rock charts that's kind of what the butch fig version is and I, it makes sense because vig is a chart topper he's a glossy rock guy you know, you know i, I yeah. like his pr- people yeah, have I, problems with the production no, i don't i don't mind slick rock who production. the hell doesn't like never mind <laughs> I, who doesn't like garbage yeah well if you don't like garbage i don't like you buddy yeah. uh but literally like when you listen to the song you can imagine Shirley manson singing the vocals and yeah. it would be perfect so yeah uh, and i i had never heard this until a few weeks ago, I think mm-hmm. I was really missing out, and um, I wish there were an official release. So I don't have to go to YouTube. And yeah, listen to I know. It. I have to look at. It is really. I think it's really upload. good. Yeah. Uh, my friend uh, John, who listens, texted me and was like, "Have you heard the Butch Vig remix of Last?" And he linked me to it, and that was my first time ever listening. He was like, "It sounds like a garbage song," and I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly right." Just with. Trent I mean, Reznor there are even, there are even elements where the guitars sound just like the guitars and I'm only happy when it rains. Like, it's, you'll be able to pick it out if you know the song. It's because the same guy's playing it. Yeah. In the same style. Okay. This little intro here. It totally belongs on the radio. We're just we're just jamming along. Jess is mouthing the lyrics, and I like how it's kind of it's a different chord progression, but the mm-hmm. the vocal melody fits over it nicely, and it, so it sounds totally different. Yeah. 
Here we go to double time here. You have a beat. It's a different kind of beat. Totally different feel, but it's just, it's wild. It would have been so weird if this one fixed. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it would have like stood out as like he as the have, single. It would have been like the single of Fixed. He could have released it though with a little tiny separate Fixed CD with just that, this one track on it, a little three he, inch. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure Interscope's like, no, we're not doing that again. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like that costs us so much money for so little return. Yeah, so Broken had six tracks, like Fixed, but Broken also included two bonus tracks. This this could have included this as a bonus track. and um, I still say if they ever do an actual official U.S. release of the vinyl, it should have a little separate 7-inch with this on it. Yeah, it really, really should. It's just cool. There's not a lot. I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like Nine Inch Nails other than the vocals. Um, so I get why Reznor was like, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Even though it, it it does rock. But it rocks in a different way. This is cool. Puts the whispers in there. Max of the uh, anger and the vocals. It almost sounds ahead of its time, like the late the late nineties rock and new metal and stuff on the radio, but better. I want. I actually want to hear this with Shirley Manson doing this. <laughs> like I do imagine too. how cool that would be. Yeah. We were talking earlier in like a, an earlier episode, like, hey, it's the pandemic. People should just do crazy shit when I they're know. on tour. Yeah. And I think Shirley Manson should sing this on tour. It's yeah. like a like an encore. I like how he brings up the the background vocals here, higher in the mix. Um, when did Garbage the Band start? I believe it was 26 years ago today. 90, really? 93. Look so, up, but look at the release date of their first album. Oh, is it the anniversary? Are we doing this on the anniversary of Garbage? Mm -hmm. I listened to it this morning. And this is, okay, so this is the end part that they did use and tack on to the end to throw this away. Yeah, it's August 15th today, and that is the anniversary of Garbage um, self-titled. Amazing. Anyway, Garbage formed in 93. So Butch Big was kind of figuring out. Oh, cool. We're mm -hmm. looking at a Ron Wade Instagram post. Yeah. If you no. don't follow Ron Wade and you're a vinyl head, you should. Cause Number one garbage fan in the world. Definitely. But also, he's got a lot of cool vinyl. Yeah. And I like... I think he's got some you know, and stuff, right? I think so. He's a fan, I think. Um, yeah, it definitely sounds like Vig was figuring out the sound of garbage 
I mean, I know he's not the only member of Garbage, obviously, and it's a collaboration, but mm -hmm. you can see where the roots of that came from, you know? Yeah, I think even some of the, I'm trying to think, not Duke, uh, Steve Marker. I think Steve Marker assisted with that remix somehow, too, and I can't remember how, but Who's he's, that? he's also a member of Garbage. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so continuing with Fixed, what do you have to tell me about the song called Fist Fuck? Well, you you want to know like a lot about it? I well, mean, it's it's a weird one. It has yeah. Well, we are talking about how it contains samples from Showboat. This is also JG, yeah. by the way. Another this to me this is uh so Thorwell did two mm -hmm. remixes of Wish. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like his follow-up to me. It mm -hmm. sounds like his follow-up to his first is part two of his wish experiment because the nine minutes of the first one wasn't enough. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he needed had to come back for another seven. He needed an, another seven and a half minutes just to yeah. fuck around with that yeah. damn drum loop. Yeah. So this also contains uh, narration from Dr. Timothy Leary from Turn On, Tune In, and Drop Out. It's just some. Um, like an audio recording of like some of his his writings and ramblings on LSD. Uh, big big fan of LSD. If you don't know who Dr. Timothy Leary is, should I I'd go ahead and play it? We might I might as well play it because. Uh -huh. Go ahead, and then I have another little bit of information about the we can talk the over Leary it stuff. Yeah, because it's mostly. And honestly, I don't even know if I can make out any of the words clearly in this. No, I can't. Nobody can't. Listen, he's abusing the flange effect right there like man oh man and once again this is it's like picking up where the last one left off it's uh turning that guitar part into a three four cutting off the fourth beat yeah panning all over the place flanging all over but when a song is called fist fuck think it's going to be like dirty or maybe more inter interesting but this is like mostly an instrumental or an entirely an instrumental maybe other than the the yeah. leery and the showboat there's a little <laughs> yeah. scene from that and those aren't those aren't like sung lyrics there's no nothing from wish as far as lyric uh, or as far as yeah. resonant vocals right that's that sounds right yeah uh so not once do we hear the phrase fist fuck in a song called fist fuck right. he is and wasting fist fuck and here's more background, more uh, backwards uh, taiko drums. Mm -hmm. He really likes to do that. Um, so yeah, yet another long, vibey remix to do drugs to. And here's here's another thing that sounds like a skipping record, I guess. And look, I like repetition. <laughs> You can't like electronic or dance or industrial without liking some form yeah, of repetition right, in right. music. But Sometimes it's excessive. It depends. I feel like it's excessive in the hands of, of this remixer. So there's some of the weird... I think the Leary vocals are kind of really affected. Yeah, they're all over the place. But if you needed more evidence that this album was for doing drugs, I mean, there you go. Leary talking about tripping balls. You look. I can't. That. I did feel like this whole long thing is hypnotic in a way. Mm hmm. Because it's these, these drums. 
over and over and over, just looped forever. Weird, almost subliminal messages, weird noises. There's a hypnotic element to it all. Oh, did you see the part about skinny puppy? Yes, I was going to talk about that after this. Why after this? You mean to just talk over it? Because I was yeah. going to play a little bit of their track. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll get... Okay, well, I guess we'll just talk over Dr. Yeah. Timothy Leary. He's dead. Who cares? So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this song is a you lot. You can't understand what he's saying anyway. Uh, so Skinny Puppy, they had a song called Left Handshake on their album Last Rites that used the same uh, Timothy Leary speech, but it was used so much that they actually asked his permission. He was still alive then, and he gave them clearance to do so. I'm guessing they did it first. Um, I think that that was supposed to come out in... Hold on. Let me check the... I thought it was 92 that this album came out, but I could be wrong. So they were at the same time? Hold on. I could be wrong. It could be like 88. I don't know. I just wanted to know who got there first with the... Oh, I bet Skinny Puppy did. It's kind of what I assumed. Okay, Last Rite's seventh studio album released in 1992. March of 1992. Jeez, so same year, but but months earlier. Yes, so, uh, but, so they got clearance from Timothy Leary. However, uh, a villain comes in named Henry Saperstein, (laughs) and he threatened to... He was the actual holder of the rights to the album, and he threatened to sue Skinny Puppy. And so the track was pulled off of um, Last Rites. And some releases of the album have a blank tenth track where Left Handshake should have appeared. Um, So the actual album, that single was finally released in August of 2000, August 20th, 2000, and it's called Track 10. So if you want to find it, you just look up Track 10. Um, or you can look up Left Handshake, but that's so wait, how you so, can hear it. So they ended up uh, being able to use the Timothy Leary clip? I mean, maybe it's because Saperstein is dead. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my guess is that Reznor got away with it because... I'll bet you will someday. There's the weird, so weird little clip from the musical. Um, my guess is that Reznor got away with it because Interscope has far more money than probably <laughs> probably Skinny and Puppy did. His, he has more it, resources, and also it's so distorted. You and can't I guess it really... was yeah, but still, I mean, you could sue over it. It was Thurlwell's decision, I'm assuming. But since. And Skinny Puppy did it. I'm sure Reznor was fine with it. <laughs> we all know he's uh, he's no stranger to. Um, I also feel like that kind of uh, LSDE leery hippie boomer bullshit was getting very popular again in the '90s as like yeah. younger people were discovering it. The and, second wave of, mm-hmm. of the hippie movement. Yeah. So I feel like that was also something that was just kind of in the the cultural moment, maybe. This part, it starts to speed up, which is interesting. You know what's really weird is that this fist fuck was apparently used in the movie Resident Evil. Yeah, uh, I've never seen the movie. 
But when Neither I look this up, it I. says it's when the when the our our protagonist Mia Jovovich mm-hmm, is fighting some zombie dogs. So it's really weird. I wonder. I need to like watch it and see which part of the song they use. What a weird choice. This I mean, part right here. She's just one after the, the other. The director. Okay. No, uh, don't, don't. Yeah. Sorry. The director, the other Paul Anderson. Her um, husband, right? No, I don't know. Probably just a, maybe just a fan. It's weird that multiple things have been fixed have been used in movies. Is that more Tim Leary? You think that you hear that little vocal sample at the end there? Yeah, it could be. I was I was wondering what that was, but couldn't even make it out. Mm-mm. If you want to get a little taste of what track 10, yeah. a.k.a. left handshake, sounds like, here we go. Well, you can tell what he's saying. Yeah, you can actually understand. Maybe that's what got him sued, like you were saying. (laughs) This actually sounds a bit more interesting to me. (laughs) I've never heard it before, but... Oh, this is a bad trip. This is spooky. Talk about spooky sounds. Mm-hmm. That skinny puppy's pretty spooky. Haunted house. Are you gonna put this on your Halloween mix this year? <laughs> Actually, I should. You should just I call should it, mark that down. Call it bad trips, man, and just put it on. Putting it on my yep. my list. What was this called again? Left hand shake, aka track ten. Okay. All right. Okay. That's just a little taste of it. If you were wondering. The original users of uh, that particular Tim Leary speech. All right. So we're moving on to the final track, "Screaming Slave." This is one that has like a million producers. <laughs> Another interpolation. Or a million remixers. Of- yeah. Happiness and Slavery. It is another Reznor-Vrenna joint, but a bunch of other people are added on. Mm -hmm. This is one that has Bill Kennedy, Martin Brumbach, Sean Beaven. Right. I wrote Vrenna down twice. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to make sure he got credit. Bob Flanagan is, uh, he's even in the liner notes. And I'm wondering, because we hear his screams again in this. We heard them in the first Happiness and Slavery remix. Wondering why he was credited in this one not in the other one you know i'll just play it (laughs) there's there's eight minutes to get through so this is like this is really noisy and experimental and a lot less rhythmic especially at the beginning than the other happiness and slavery remix which comes right out of the gate with like that strong beat. 
So it's like, even though it's by some of the same people, it's like the antithetical remix uh, of the two, two Happiness and Slavery remixes. And a lot of, a lot of that noise <laughs> going on in this one. engines heating up once again too much flange on this whole thing that's kind of true of the, of the whole album unfortunately a lot of things to like about it but overuse of the flange effect maybe overuse of back masking too what's back masking for people who might not know what that is uh reversing oh <laughs> it's okay a, it's a fancy <laughs> fancy old-fashioned um term for reversing something and to so put like in, the reverse drum beats etc yeah to put in satanic messages mostly which there's a satanic message in this song if i remember correctly oh yeah we were joking about that <laughs> earlier yeah we'll get to that um, this one i think it was on the nin wiki that they described it this one as more of a whoa is more of a sound collage mm-hmm. than a remix or even a proper song. And I think that's the perfect way to describe it. And that that describes almost like all of Fixed. It's it's more sound collage-y, whereas like the Pretty Hate Machine remixes are more like club versions. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're listening to, though, because I feel like the uh, remix of Wish by Thurwells yeah, true. Gave Up is definitely, the coil, I think, is more of a sound collage. I feel like Happiness and Slavery is... I'd, I think it's sound collage Throw Throw this away is sound collage Yeah, 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 they're you know, putting different pieces together. Mm-hmm. In a way that's less straightforward than, say, like the remixes of... Had like a whole and terrible lie and down in it. Can't get enough of that flange. <laughs> but you can kind of recognize the happiness and slavery beat and some of the lyrics there, but like this is all over the place. It's like not like a not like a pleasant pleasant or fun thing to listen to. Oh, definitely not. It's just like the album for the last track it's totally falling apart just like the ultimate deconstruction just let let the let the EP end on a total note of pure destruction and chaos What else did you have on this one? Anyone? Anything? No. I didn't really write down a lot about this. It's not one of my favorites. Maybe yeah. because it is so experimental. Yeah. I mean, I much prefer the other. Yeah, I, it is cool that they're experimenting with sounds. And it's ballsy or whatever. Yeah. And also, I, I'm just like, I get it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> we don't need eight minutes of it, maybe. But, again, this whole thing is like a vibe out. <laughs> A lot of it's just like weird. It could it could be weird ambient background music for your bad trip. This could be also in a horror film. Like it's just yeah. I think so. There's something very unsettling about it as well. 
fake out. Just do your slavery screams. I'm not gonna do it. Don't make me. It's called Screaming Slave. And I'm wondering is Bob is Bob Flanagan the screaming slave that they're talking about? I think so. He gets his he gets his own solo here in a second, and that's maybe that's why he gets to be credited on this one. Yeah, this is so all over the place. Okay. It's like on the set of the Happiness and Slavery video. It sounds like you can hear someone giving him directions. Yeah, it sounds like the director directing like John, him. John Rice, I think, was the director. Yeah, Reese or Reese, John Reese. It's like okay, now act like you're in a lot of pain. <laughs> you hear that buzzing? I don't know if that's just like equipment. That's when, what I think. When they're shooting, wild. Just to. Just a clip of the behind the scenes there. I'd like to see, why isn't there like a whole behind the scenes mini documentary on the making of the whole broken film, actually? I don't want to see behind the scenes of all of that. I want to see. But I I do want them to interview the the gentleman, the pinioned person. I just want to know how it felt. I want to know. I want to hear. I want to hear from the two people in the snuff film part. Mm-hmm. I want to hear from them. I want them to prove that it's not real. <laughs> I need them to come forward and say, "Look, no one was murdered." Mm-hmm. I need Richard Packer to come out and just say, "I was the cop." Yes, there's we've a, been debating. There's this. been a big Instagram. I put out a Instagram poll. Uh huh. Like, who is this? And a picture of the cop from the gave up video. They gave up video the, from the broken right. movie version. Where a cop comes in, he's an aviator. To me, it's, I'm pretty certain it hurt to both of us. Here's the thing. I had a mini freak out because I had told Blake, oh, according to IMDb, it's Robert Patrick. And then I was researching more today and I was like, oh shit, it says it's Richard Patrick. Well, here's the thing is IMDb lists the credits to Robert Patrick. But if you go into the trivia, it says it's Richard Patrick. Who was playing the cop? Yeah. Uh, so I had a little bit of a. a I think freak that, out. and a lot of people on the internet are saying it's Robert. It's Patrick. a pretty big division. Uh, people are saying Robert or Richard. It clearly, I, looks like Richard to me. Um, whenever we we took a screenshot, I found photos of Richard and aviators. All right. Same nose. Same nose. But IMDb maybe screwed up, and that's where people will get the misinformation. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. We're not here to talk about broken movie. That was the end of fixed. It kind of just goes out with a with a whimper almost or with a noise, right? Yeah. 
So interesting. Listen, <laughs> more more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I I would say some tracks are more enjoyable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I I like it as a whole. Well, <laughs> it, it's I think I'm I'm fine with it ex- existing as a whole. It's I am fine with existing as a whole, but it's not going to be one of brief. my highest rated albums. No, but it's brief, and although some of the songs uh, could be more brief. I'm looking at you, JG. Yeah, uh, it's a bit much with the song "Wish." <laughs> um, well, do you have do you have a best track and a worst track? Sure. Let me think about it for a second. Okay, let let me decide mine. Best track. Yeah. Probably happiness and slavery. The, the yeah, first honestly, version. that that's probably mine as well. Mm-hmm. It, second would actually probably be throw this away. That I think that's my second as well. My least favorite? <sighs> yeah, worst track. I don't know if it's Fistfuck or Screaming Slave. I almost want to say Fistfuck is the least favorite for me. I just um, think you're wasting that title track. <laughs> yeah, Screaming Slave, I like the experimentation a little more. Fistfuck is, is just kind of reusing the same loops. Yeah. And isn't as interesting to me. But yeah. overall, this thing, I, d- I didn't think I would... I would want to continue listening to it, but I, I enjoyed the like five times I listened to it in the last week. You know, I did too. Um, I would just put it on in the background as I was working or, or doing tours or whatever. And I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. So if, if 16 year old Jessica was to do an inch rating, she would say one inch, didn't care for it. Listen to it one time, never listen to it again. Yeah. Adult Jessica, I'm going to give it five inches. Oh, man. And I would move it up to six if the Butch Vig version of Last was included <laughs> in some form, either as a bonus track or um, whatever. I I appreciate some of the aspects. And also, it's kind of where we get like um, like the genesis of heresy, right? Like, it's, it's interesting to see how Reznor yeah. progresses. And that's... Uh, or where he gets his ideas from and reuses them or recycles yeah. them or repurposes them, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and throughout this, his his work or or does callbacks or references, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And this experimentation on this album, especially with different clips of random sounds and movies and stuff, definitely leads into the downward spiral nicely. Um, I don't know trying to say here i'm just saying it's like a jumping off point for the for the downward spiral you can see where his his methods and the style goes does that make sense mm-hmm. just this yeah the whole sound collaginess of it is done really well in the the album to come but i guess he always he started off doing that kind of thing i mean that's just a common thing in industrial yeah. music anyway. and I, yeah and, and pretty hate machine to sound collage but in a very in much more accessible way definitely much more accessible yes um i rated it i think i was going to give it like a seven. Oh wow okay. I, because it is it does i think what it set out to do and there's not a lot on it where i'm just where i'm just like this this sucks i don't like this this is bad it's 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 more just like this this gets a little bit boring and repetitive but also it's other other collaborators making it so it's harder to rate compared to, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we picked our two favorites are both produced by Reznor. I, I think that's no coincidence. <laughs> I mean, I 
I think he does the best. He usually does the best versions of his own songs. I think we'll continue to see that on later remix albums, if I'm not mistaken, with the exception of Butch Vig and his amazing version of Last. I think it's so good. So um, people might hate me for that. It's probably the same people who hate everything because they think it's too poppy, mm, or probably the same yeah. people who hate the Butch Vig Last. But maybe. Yeah, Last sounds like garbage. The band garbage, not garbage. So you were giving it a seven? Seven inches out of nine. That's what I'll go with. Wow. I think that's high, but go, but go I, for it. I, yeah, it is high. I liked it. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. I so did too. That's why high school cool... Jessica said one and adult Jessica <laughs> says five. <laughs> There's cool stuff on it. My uh, teenage Blake maybe would have said like four or five. I don't know. I only listened to it a few times that I can recall. Um, on my little disc, man. All right. What else have we got to say on this one? I don't have anything Do else to add, you know? All right. It's fine. It's a remix album. What, what do you want me to say? <laughs> if you want to, so we've talked about the broken movie a bit. If you want mm-hmm. our whole 90 minute episode, bonus episode on the broken movie, yeah. go to patreon.com slash aux audio, mm-hmm. A-U-X audio. That's our podcast network that I run and you get our bonus episodes Stuff like Pierce Feeling, Broken Movie, Fashion Episodes that Mm -hmm. Jess does with her friend Katie. Uh, Coming up, our next bonus episode for all of our Starfuckers. Those are our Patreon (laughs) subscribers. Right. Uh, We're going to be doing Reznor side projects from, you know, Pretty Hate Machine to Broken Era. Uh, We'll be covering those. So like you know, 1000 homo DJs, that kind of thing. That's the next bonus. That's we're our next do. bonus episode for downward spiral. I've planned, uh, bonus episodes on some of the soundtrack work, like the crow and Afterborn killers. Yeah. We'll be talking about, um, quake. I mean, another yeah. soundtrack. So everything that's non halo mm-hmm. is bonus. Woodstock 94. Yep. We have a, I have a whole list. So go beyond the halos with us on Patreon. Yeah. Um, but stay here on the free feed for all 34 halos and beyond. That's right. We'll probably do another nailed bag. That was fun. Yeah. Nailed, so nailed bags. Keep sending us emails. I like yeah. getting your guys' thoughts on things. If, We've had some fun ones. If you want to be on the nail bag, email nailedpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter at nailed or Twitter and Instagram at nailed pod. We try to put cool stuff up, especially on Instagram. Yeah. Um, if you have a second, you know, subscribe to us, rate and review us on Apple yeah. Podcasts. We need more ratings and five-star ratings and review, <laughs> like write a little review. That really helps. Uh, so and we also appreciate. encourages us. It makes Actually, us can happy. I? Can Do you want to read our five-star reviews? Well, I want to at least tell the tell some names. I have no idea who some of these people are. I, we only have a few, uh, v- very few, but I don't always know who they are let's see i know who the first one is it's katie oh yeah katie (laughs) loves this one um i think i know who the second one is a good friend and i want to say of course thank you as always to that friend um someone named benu nib (laughs) b-e-n ben i don't know um said my new favorite podcast so Thank you so much to that person. Uh, hit us up on on Instagram or Twitter or at the email if that is you. I, w- I want to know. And then, yeah, add your own review. I don't know if Spotify and the other platforms let you do reviews and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever it's noticed It's crazy that. that they do not. But, yeah, this is on Apple Podcasts that I'm referring to here. 
Yep. Okay. Um, I think that's all I've got. Me too. So. All right. Thanks for. Thanks for listening to us talk about a remix album. Thanks for <laughs> fixing it up with me, Jess. <laughs> thanks for uh, vibing with us. What do we say at the end of this? You know what Ooh, to say. I'm getting too tired. This is not good. Maybe yeah, I, we're recording this on a Sunday, and I'm and just late. like we need so to, sleepy. We're getting old. We need to start like recording earlier, I guess. I we were It doing feels little... weird not to do it at night. I like it dark. I do, too. I like it dark. Because we light candles. Mm-hmm. I also... Usually, we do this on Saturday, and we're doing this on a Sunday, because I was spending yeah. way too much time researching last night. Right. But uh, totally worth it. Was it? Yes. Sorry, I'm it's really good, tired. It's good to have the research because I don't know of anyone else who's gone in podcast wise, at least, who's done the work on fixed. But anyway, we've probably gone too long. We should let the people go. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you for sharing and talking about our podcast. Tell 20 friends. And <laughs> uh, I'm Blake for Nailed. I'm Jessica for Nailed. And didn't that make you feel better? 